Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Now, one of the coolest things that, that can possibly happen in my mind, right, is getting an opportunity to start out a show in a way that is right up our alley. And I think today's show because of who we got coming on, because of what he's going to hopefully talk about, is the perfect opportunity for you and I to talk about movies. Yeah, <laughs> we can do that. I mean... Oh, you know, we can do that for hours. <laughs> for, for a long time. I mean, your obscure gung-ho reference the other day to the 1983 Michael Keaton phenomenon... Yeah. <laughs> just made it... Well, I, while he's telling that story, that playing out my... You know how I do it, man. I, I've taught myself through watching those movies it's that repetitive stuff so if i ever get into a or hear about a situation that i haven't been in i'll reference a movie that i've seen it in <laughs> and that's why the wizard was like hey i know what the two of you guys need to do <laughs> yeah. you guys need to start talking about some movies before you get into the interview so that's what we're gonna do movie we could critique a movie every other. <laughs> there you go well now you're talking, right. now you're talking. but before we do that before the, we get the to new our siskel and ebert oh dude the modern day Cisco right. neighbor. Uh, maybe that's actually what we'll become right. as reviewers, professional. Right. <laughs> Care what you're talking about, man. Just tell Just... us about the movie. <laughs> right. So the thing we're going to start out in this particular movie dialogue, because of who's coming on and your relationship with him and all that, and what he did and what he's been doing, is we you and I are going to discuss the greatest war movies of all time. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. All right. This could go for a while. It could. It absolutely could go for a while. All right. So I'm going to start out and say my first greatest war movie of all time is Apocalypse Now. You actually have them numbered one to ten? I, I do number them. Really? I do. It doesn't, what about, it doesn't matter if it's a different. Uh, a different genre or context. Right. Is or it a movie prepared? about World War One or World War Two or Vietnam or yeah. the Civil War? 
<laughs> or what was going on during the World War, like uh, um, um, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Excuse absolutely. me, Schindler's List. That's, True. It's a war movie, right? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. What is it, man? World War Two. They can generate maybe because there's multiple battlefronts and there's just so much going. I mean, there's still movies coming out about uh, World War Two that. That's about stuff I haven't even heard about. How about Saving Private Ryan? I know, it's epic. Band of Brothers, right? It's not a movie, but I, we watch it like a movie. Yeah, it's I, mean, I sit down when it starts, and I'll get up when it's over. It's, it's nine hours Pop, or popcorn, something. Popcorn, you yeah. love juju. Ju- right? <laughs> that gives a whole Kinda new like a Lonesome Dove. That's one movie to me. That's one, one movie. As soon as it comes movie. on, I'm like, oh, we started it and got to finish it. Well, all right. I, I see what you're saying. So you go back. But, but and you, for all intents and purposes of for this, if we had to line them out, that'd be tough too, man. Because as soon as you said favorite war movies, I went back all the way to a, the last I was like Braveheart, Patton, Full Metal Jacket, right? Platoon. Oh I watched Platoon and Deer Ramadi. Hunter. Deer, Deer Hunter. Hunter, right? Um, great part about Deer Hunter, man, is they got they brought what it was like to be through the entire deal, right? In the small town, going in, coming back. And the pain and all that. That was heavy, man. Would you say that uh, that was one of the first great memories where you, as, a, as a young person that you could begin to contemplate the magnitude of war and what it does to oh, everybody? Yeah, we watched it with, uh, with the, the men in my family. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, when I was younger, you had, if you were going to watch a movie like that, you had to watch it with the adults. Right. We didn't have TVs in the room. <laughs> so maybe that was why. Maybe they weren't doing that at all. <laughs> maybe the movie was so damn boring that you let the kids come in to watch exactly. it. Exactly. That's exactly how it <laughs> But, I like to think about it the other way, but uh, well, I mean, I, the same thing. Like I remember Big Red One for me with Lee Marvin, right? Yeah. I, I, oh I mean, man, those. <laughs> that was one of my favorite movies, and it wasn't. It was because you know the intensity of with his men and that story. Remember, Mark Hamill was he would draw the cartoons of each battle, and uh, man. They, they humanized it instead of it being this just grand epic battle, right? There was it was about oh, the, the in betweens. Yeah, it was the, the stories right. of the guys Living in it. between. And for me, that was the coolest part. Yeah, because I think a lot of um, movies these days, it is the action. Let's see, the, give me the baby, not the, the labor pains, all that stuff. So you, <laughs> it's it's kind of like, all right, that's all they know about the warfighters is that part of it. Right. That's how they can relate. Back in the day when they would make war movies, they'd kind of give you samples of what, what the whole life oh, was like. Totally. So, I mean, like the great escape. I mean, you think like, no, you made a great call. Let I me mean, ask you this. Do you, is it? Like movies about Afghanistan, Iraq, I really don't watch them at all. I don't watch them, man. I, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the I, proximity I, of you emotionally, <laughs> or just that it's that's not it, interesting. It's you've not been just, there. All right, well, uh, paint like this. So when you're watching that movie about Iraq or Afghanistan, and you've been there, so you also remember what that smelt like, what that felt like, what that you know, all of it. Yeah, all of it. it no, even for that, sure. the taste in your mouth with all the garbage being burned and stuff like that. So when you're watching. But I can watch any other war movie about any other war. And I, it's not that I can't watch our movies. It's just, this, I don't know. I'm not. It hits me differently for sure. It doesn't affect me. I yeah. mean, I, I don't get emotional enough to run out or anything like right. that. I just, I, I don't know what, maybe because we were there. I mean, you can't make a movie. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> you can't make a movie about. <laughs> <laughs> So both of you knew exactly where I, I couldn't stop fast enough, right? It just no, came out. It just came. <laughs> <laughs> it's just perfect. I forgot who we had on. <laughs> oh, it's oh, epic, dude. 
Are so we I, leaving that in? Yeah, that's oh, staying. <laughs> that's staying in, that's, dude. That's, and that's the perfect segue <laughs> into welcoming our next guest. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> the the world renowned, <laughs> the incredible, the man, the director of, of Lone Survivor. Survivor. We're gonna welcome Hi, <laughs> your great friend, your close friend. Peter we got it. We're bring him on his show. Let's get him on. Marcus now once again we've got one of your friends coming back on the show and I gotta tell you man it, it, that just gets me fired up it also gets me fired up because I love this dude's movies man All right. <laughs> and I am a little biased because he did do your story and so that that is near and dear to my heart so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome Peter Berg to the show Peter how you doing brother uh, I'm doing good nice talking to you Marcus how you doing man good brother good miss you Miss you. No, you're a busy man right now. Yes, sir. I'm trying to keep it all moving, but I sure do miss you. Good to hear your voice. You too, brother. Well, the way the way we start off on this, Peter, is we 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 give a mad minute to get you warmed up, to get your brain firing, uh-huh. to get you thinking, uh-huh. you know, just like we would do if we were in a CrossFit gym. But this is for our little our little gray matter upstairs. So. What we're going to okay. do, we're just okay. going to let them rip at you, and whatever pops into your brain, just fire right back at us. You ready? Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Go for it, Marcus. All right, brother. What was your first car? My first car was a Volkswagen Rabbit GTI. I told her that it just smashed it real bad, and my girlfriend, Sarah Johannesson, she didn't have her seatbelt on because she was making out with me. She went through the windshield. She went through the windshield? Making out with you. Right huh? through the windshield. <laughs> oh, that my. was the end of that relationship. And the car. <laughs> All right, next question. Who, in of, out of any person throughout history, would you love to get drunk with? Winston Churchill, no question. He's one of my great heroes. He was my father's hero. He had the original never quit attitude. He was one of the baddest men to walk the earth. And he was a hard drinker. Yeah, he was. He right. li- he liked to turn him back. Uh, yeah. There's a great legendary story about when he came over uh, with President Roosevelt and he stayed two weeks here that they got trashed every yeah. single night, which is awesome in my mind. All right, yeah. Marcus, throw one. All right, brother, favorite superhero? Superhero? Marcus Luttrell, yep. no question. <laughs> I set myself up. <laughs> I'll go with Luttrell over Iron Man or Superman any day. I'll take Marcus. Any day of the and week. Morgan, hey. Maybe like the, the, the Luttrell brothers as a, as a superhero team. It'd be yeah. the dynamic, too. Like Wonder he's, Twin he's Powers? Captain, yeah, he's Captain America in my mind, anyways. <laughs> if, I had one, if I had only one call and I was in trouble, those two boys would get that call, that's for sure. <laughs> amen, amen. I'm right there that. with you, brother. All right. Uh, if you could get in a cage fight with anybody in history, who would you love to get in a cage fight with? A cage fight? Like, oh, God. I mean. He's a boxer. I, mean, I know. There's a couple of people out in Hollywood I wouldn't mind getting into a room with you. Beating the shit out of him, but wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Are, are we talking cage like Thunderdome with chainsaws and axes? Yeah, and stuff like yeah. That? I'm oh, talking okay. Mad right, Max. Yeah, yeah. Like this is to the death, <laughs> man. There's a couple of you know shady businessmen out here in Hollywood that I wouldn't mind taking a chainsaw to if I could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Movie character you'd play out in real life. 
Oh, Randall McMurphy, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Jack Nicholson. He's my oh, hero. he is so awesome, man. I, I, I mean, we've referenced that several right. times already, and the way he and Nurse Ratchet get into it, it's one of the greatest storytellings of all time, man. I love that. Jack, we love you. I always felt like, yeah, he, he was the triumph of the human spirit, you know, and just like that, there, there's more never quit attitude. Like, you know, when he, when you tried to, um, pull the water fountain out of the ground and, you know, couldn't quite do it. And he had that great line. At least I tried. At least that, I tried. As a kid, that, that really hit me hard as it, you know, when I was a kid and I watched that movie, I, you know, that, that was a lesson. It's funny. We, a lot of times Marcus get a, you know, he'll throw out references to movies throughout every show. And, and, you know, one of the questions that I, I want to go to you, if, if, if you had an opportunity to live out a movie character's life for the rest of your life, who would that be? Oh, shit. Uh, well, did you ever see Shampoo with Warren Beatty? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, Goldie Hawn asked him, you know, what did you sleep with? How many of them did you sleep with? And he pauses, and he looks at her, and he just says, all of them. <laughs> I mean, I- <laughs> I like him, and I like uh, Richard Gere from Officer and Gentleman. That was always another one that I really liked. Oh, I just watched that the that other night. was on TV the other day. Lewis Gossett yeah. Jr., man. And when he gets up there and they get in their fight, I love Are you going to quit? Never! I, I love Never. It. I always text yeah. Morgan May- when that May- goes May- on. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. That was a movie that got me uh, probably more than anything else wanting to go into the business. I, I watched that movie like 10 times in a row when it came out. And I still maintain that that's like one of the perfect movie scripts. Like that movie has everything in it. It is. It is. Small town guy from the... Yeah, you're totally right. I love that that film as well, too. All right, Marcus, last one, bud. Uh, Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Yeah, I'm more of an Indiana Jones guy. I was never... Uh, you know, I'm not a big sci-fi dude, so I, I, I can probably relate more to uh, just, you know, bullwhips and jeeps and chasing girls down mountains and stuff like that. But <laughs> I go Indiana Jones. All right. Well, there you go. There you have it. There's the mad minute. Now, that was a good start. I I like it. I like it. All right. So I know you're fired up. Your brain's working great. I know Marcus is tracking. I'm tracking. So the reason why we're doing this show, Peter, is because we want to try and inspire people that are out there that are facing adversity, that are struggling, that are going through tough times to never quit. And so we bring on guests such as yourself or from sports or from all walks of life, former military people. And we have them on and we ask them one powerful question to get the ball rolling. And that's, what is your greatest never quit story? So could you share that with us if you could? Well, I mean, there's something that comes to mind, uh, you know, obviously because I'm talking to Marcus, but it really is one of my, my most proud accomplishments was when, you know, we started to make Lone Survivor, and, and it was a hard movie to make because Hollywood didn't want to make films about the military, and they didn't want to make films about the conflicts in Afghanistan and, and uh, Iraq because they hadn't been doing well. And Marcus just kind of looked at me and said, oh, you understand, this is, people will, this is a story people need to hear, and you have to tell it. And it was very challenging to make that film. And one of the most challenging was, um, you know, meeting with meeting with the family members of Bob Marcus's brothers, the Axelsons and Marcus, and the teachers in particular, 
who were you know still so deep in the process of grief from from losing their their loved one and to 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 meet with those families and give them my word that you know I would and my team would do everything we could to finish that movie and make them proud when there was nothing but obstacles and people kept saying you can't do it and you're gonna blow it and you're gonna anger them and and to finally not quit on that and to have Marcus was inspirational for me to not quit on that but to believe that we could we could honor those men with that film and then to finally show them those families the movies uh, the movie and the theater and have the lights come on and I will never forget Matt Axelson's mother walking up to me and I was crying I was the one that was a mess and she put her arms around me and gave me a big hug and said that we did it right and that that to me was you know, that was four years of hard work uh, and never taking our eye off the ball and staying focused and it was one of the most it was the most satisfying experience in my career by far. That's awesome. Well, Peter, that that sounds amazing. And one of the cool things that Marcus shared with me the other day was just how you guys synced up and and the process of how Marcus and you know he knew that you were the guy for him. And what was that kind of pressure like? When, you know, you know the stories out there, the book has been, is uh, the phenomenon that it was, it really gripped the world, and uh, it certainly gripped our community for sure, but it's gripping the world, and then Marcus, you know, is staring at you going, hey, can you make this happen? Is that a challenge right there to be staring at the guy himself? Yeah, of course. I mean, to start off, um, the, the the project started off with just me and Marcus, and that was a tremendous amount of pressure. And, you know, you know, for anyone that knows Marcus now, he's got a, a beautiful family, and he's he's mellowed a bit. Back when I first met him, <laughs> it was he was a ball of intensity. He was very very intense, and he would stay at my house, and have we would have these long talks about what happened and about how important it was that I get it right. And that was intense. And then over the next year and a half or so, Marcus slowly started introducing me to the SEAL community. And I started meeting, you know, many, many men who had very strong opinions of this story, and they were all very determined and to, to make sure I understood how important it was to that community. So meeting the operators was intense. Then I started meeting the mothers and the fathers of some of the men who, who died in that, that operation, and that was beyond intense. And it just, uh, you know, every day it just became more and more serious, intense, and and uh, deeply personal to me. And, like, there were many times I would say to my friends, like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I could just make a love story. It was it was that pressure that, that made not just me, but Mark Wahlberg and, you know, all the actors involved want to work that hard, want to get up so early and, and tell that story because we had this added pressure of, you know, not just Marcus, but the entire SEAL community. And that, for me, that's where, that's why I want to work. That's why I want to make movies. You know, that's, that's what gets me going is the pressure of having the real people staring in the eyes and, and, and making sure that we, that we get it right. Oh yeah. I, I remember when I was in LA and the first time we had met and then, uh, oh, I went and watched the kingdom and I was sitting in the theater and watching that. And then, then I, I gave it to him. I was like, Hey, it's all yours. And what he didn't, you couldn't have anticipated this part of it because not only was I, I was standing there telling, Hey man, you know, you got really got to get this right. Cause that's NSW coming down and I'm talking to him about it. And I go, Hey, it's going to be, 
when you meet the families, man, get ready. And there's, a, there's a lot of them, right? Normally, when, you, yeah. when someone's doing a movie, they get, they're talking to the one person that the movie's about. Well, this is about all of them. And he, 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 he did it, man. He went around all of them, met with them, and then was personal with them, just listened and learned. And, I mean, you could see that as the film unfolded because that, that, each one of the actors had an identity. And then it doesn't, the movies don't get made quickly in Hollywood. And, and so from the time I came into his life to the time, well, till this very moment, actually, I mean, he still hears about it. I mean, he's still uh, a part of the family. And not only did he, he deal with the families in, like I said, he, we integrated him into a couple of the platoons at some of the FTXs, see how he did. And eventually he went overseas. There's a couple of times he was supposed to go and got, and it got kanked. And then, then eventually he got over there and then that kind of completed the circle, man. And then when he started filming, it was game on. That was the, um, finally, you know, I, I had spent a lot of time researching, but I, I said to Marcus, I said, you know, I really want to go over there and see him. He kind of looked at me like, are you sure? I said, like, no, no, you don't. He said, I don't know. Let me make some calls. At the time, was Admiral Olsen. I think Eric Olsen was the head of uh, SOCOM, and he was an XCO, and I had to go to Florida where he, their headquarters are. And because of Marcus, he saw me, and, you know, I said, look, if you let me go to Iraq, I can probably make a movie that feels authentic. And he looked at me, and I, he said, okay. And I, I said, no, <laughs> I'm in fucking, I'm in Iraq. <laughs> Whoa. And, and uh, that, that ended up being by far the, that was the, the, one of the great moments of that whole experience. But that's what helped me understand kind of how the, the, those men, not just operate, well, it's remarkable that, you know, that is such a huge core co component of our culture, right? To be able to find, you know, either the humor or bring levity to really intense pressure situations. And, and, and yeah. you know, I think as a storyteller, a really good one, you know, it, it's it's amazing that you are able to translate those small details. And and it made you paying attention to the guys of the story uh, you're yeah. telling. So I, I would report back how things were going. And then not only did I, I mean, I had to check in with the head sheds. He did, too. I mean, they had to look, they would look at him and, and say, OK, tell me what you're capable of, that kind of thing. I mean, putting him through it. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, because that was back when. Warcom shut everything down. There weren't books, movies, anything like that. We we yeah. had we had permission to do that, and so having the backing of NSW and then the confidence in Pete rolled out. That's pretty awesome. Now, now, Peter, one thing I want to ask you is, it, and you have a, a lot of depth to your creative capabilities, and you look at your filmography, you look at your background as an actor. Um, you know, one of my Personal favorites was Aspirin Extreme back in the day. That's a shocker. <laughs> right. Thank you. That's a shocker. And, and, but what's awesome is, I like shocker. you know, when I, 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 I got a feeling there was a shift when you did Friday Night Lights and you really dug into, you know, bringing out a story that connects real, you know, connects people to kind of their lives and, and has that been a, a focal point for projects that you look? You want to tell real stories in a genuine way that makes people inspired. Yeah, I mean, for, for, you know, my dad was a big reader, and he only read nonfiction. And he would tell me that nonfiction was the highest form of art and literature, and that 
fiction was okay, but like the real gold was in nonfiction and learning about you know history and real stories and going out and, and meeting meeting real people and finding out their lives and and you know he he found such inspiration in that. And I, when I was in school, I, I took journalism classes and I used to do kind of investigative stories on just different people in the community in Minnesota where I was going to school. And that was always a huge part of, of what formed me as a, someone that wants to make movies. And, you know, I'm a, I, I love superhero movies or whatever, you know. I mean, I guess I don't really love them. I, I, I respect <laughs> them. Um, but, you know, when, when, when the, the book... Friday Night Lights was put into my hands. It was the same experience as when Marcus's book was put into my hands. I just sat down and read it and was just so inspired by the fact that this, like, you don't need to add anything to it. It's just so incredibly compelling. And then, you know, when I did Friday Night Lights, I got to meet the real coach and those kids that were on that team. And that just blew me away. And then, obviously, after reading Moon Survivor, when Marcus O'Connell you know, walked up to me and put his hand out. You know, there's just nothing better for me than that. And when I can make that connection, you know, somebody will let me into their lives and they have a life that's extraordinary. And, you know, those kids playing football in Friday Night Lights or those FBI agents that had to go try and investigate um, a terrorist attack or Marcus Luttrell who, you know, went through what he went through. I mean, there's, why would I want to, you know, do, why would I, what, what more could I ask for as a storyteller? And so those are the kinds of stories. And Friday Night Lights was probably the first time that I really got, realized I could take my love of nonfiction and turn that into movies. Well, that's awesome, and you can. It's palpable, and 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 I think you know what's what's really start. What's really cool to me as you progress, and you know, with your latest with Deepwater Horizon, I'm super fired up for Patriots Day as well. Too uh-huh. is is it seems like you're really getting good at at pulling out stories. Now, I remember when when Marcus did the premiere, and and you and and produce the other producer were there. I, I, you know, you came out, and there was just the 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 it was just all seals in one of the theaters and you came out and you and you made this great comment you said all right are you guys gonna kick my ass now and and JJ got up and said uh, no you know Mr. Berg you're gonna get a pass on this when you did a great job and and I uh, yeah. and, and I and I had a chance to stop you after the movie and say hey you know I think you did a really amazing thing you showed the love that we had for each other and the, how hard they fought on that mountain. And you really, you know, well, did that was the biggest thing when the families and the team team guys signed off on it. I mean, it must have been for you in particular. And I remember talking to you that night afterwards. I passed it all on to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, bro, it's all on you, man. So, so. Uh-huh. If, if, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh-huh. That was a heavyweight. Heavyweight. So, so if you can, try and help, you know, our listeners understand as, when you look at the, you know, those great stories what are the key components of the never quit mindset or overcoming adversity that you try and pull out that translate uh, on screen? I mean, for me, it, it it comes down to almost one one thing, and it's 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 love. You know, it's amen. The more, the more I learned about the seal communities, you know, and you know, for anybody that knows seals, they can be nasty. They can be 
they can complain, they can argue, they can they, there's all kinds of personal issues. Some shows hate each other's guts at times. But at the end of the day, what I observe, no matter what, you get the most unlikely group of men, people that would never know each other under normal circumstances. You know, you get a southern boy like Latrell, who becomes great friends with a, you know, a golden boy from Long Island, Mike Murphy, and never would have met each other. They go through this training and these deployments, and they develop this love for each other. It is so deep that that exists in the middle of really, really chaotic and terrifying situations. And at the end of the day, as, as corny as it sounds, that's what's fueling them. You know, I've heard Lucas talk to, to, to wives of seals and say, you know, I know your husband better than you do. I know what noises he makes when he's sleeping. I know what he smells like when he's crawling through a window with a, with a gun in his hand at four in the morning getting ready to go kill or something. I know what that, you know, in, 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 you know, I always joke and say I want to make love stories, but to me, these are love stories. And the love that those men had for each other and the love I've observed in, in the special, uh, you know, special operations community in particular is, is that's what gets me excited. And that's what's got to be at the heart of these stories. It's not just about, you know, running up hills and killing bad guys. There's, there's a real sense of self-protection, protecting Obama, Fighting for your brother, never leaving your brother behind, doing everything you can to survive and make sure they survive, and that's what is, that's why people get so inspired. It is, it truly is, and I and I and I love how that you you wrap it into the love because it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, oh, yeah. it, at the end of the day, what we do is we go through this painful process, this forging process, to hit a point of a willing, the willingness to sacrifice one another for love. Mm-hmm. Well, it's already there, too. I mean, if, if the situation dictates tragedy, if it dictates victory, I mean, those people that are in that situation have been, to, they're already together, right? The love is there. And then that, that situation tests what the, uh, the resolve of that. And those are the best stories, man, when, when they refuse to give up on each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be, just like you said, it doesn't have to be in war, man. It was just like just out in the ocean on a rig or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I I found that um, to be true. You know, in a, the high school football community, these young men come together, and these coaches come together, and obviously the stakes are not as high as war. But for these kids, this is everything. You this know, is them, yeah. You know, I I remember when when I first got to Iraq, and I would talk to the SEALs about you know their feelings about the politics, political landscape, and Bush versus Obama, and you know whether we. Should, and they would kind of look at me with like, bro, I don't really give a fuck. I'm here for my brothers, you know? And Amen. at the end of the day, we, we have a job to do. We're going to do it, right? And that's, that's a given. The passion is all about the man next to you. And that, that is so real, you know? And that, that goes back to Band of Brothers and, you know, World War One. I, I would imagine. There's civil, I don't know how far back that goes, way back. As long right? as human beings have been fighting. As long as men. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that, and, and then just, you know, what I've observed is I've gotten to know the communities and, you know, I'm fortunate to, to be able to, you know, work, I'm making a new TV show now called Warfighters. It was lived to tell, we changed it to Warfighters and we've got 90 veterans working on that show now. It's a show awesome. about war, war stories made, you know, by veterans and by guys that have, and it's, 
it's such a joy to watch these guys work together in a new in a new business. You know, now you know five or ten years out of the teams, but to still see that brotherhood is is phenomenal, and it, it truly warms my heart and, and everybody that that sees it. It's it's very inspiring. It was. It's very interesting. You talk about it like that. We just interviewed Tim Kennedy yesterday, and you know Tim's a former Green Beret, and now he's a UFC fighter, and he's got a bunch of other things going on. And and you know he made a comment about, hey, you can take twenty special ops guys or a hundred special ops guys, drop them in any environment, and you know they'll make an impact. They'll make an immediate impact. And what I find fascinating is, you know, you'll. You as a director or producer will have to pull together a group of people, let's say specifically for the Lone Survivor movie, pull them together and you're under this crunch, this time frame. How do you pull the best out of those people to really put out at the highest level to translate that love so the the end user, the person in the theater can feel that at its depth? Yeah, I mean, are you asking how I do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I don't have to do, I mean, what I found by having, you know, Lone Survivor was, well, I'd worked with SEALs before as stunt guys and things like that uh, on other films. Um, Lone Survivor was the first time we really had a bunch of special ops guys working with the script, working with the other departments, being part of the production team. And I just found that they were it was it was effortless. They came in, you know, they were the first ones there, they were the last ones to leave. They were extremely polite. They could, if they hated someone's guts, they for the most part kept it to themselves and they just worked harder. And and what was interesting was having all these seals on set, it, it became an infectious quality where we had, you know, seals working next to union guys that have been doing this for 20 years and were a little jaded and they all started working harder. And I found, um, you know, everything, everything went, went, went better. The only area I could really watch my slots up for was, was the women on the set because they were all constantly in danger <laughs> of, of being instantly impregnated. So I had to watch out for that. That did happen. Um, that, that did happen. That's a, that's a whole nother story, but we won't get into that right now. Well, imagine every normal team guy, Situation and the evolution of that, just in on a movie set. I can't. I'm so, trying. I mean, he's, he, he's being a little modest. I mean, asking how he pulls that out of his great leader. I mean, you can tell he's been around a while because as soon as he comes on set, man, it starts rolling, and we would we just hey, what do you want us to do? And how it normally works yeah. for us. Yeah, I mean, and he tell us what he wants done, then we'd go we'd go do it, and then when the actors and everything started rolling, it was. It was uh, it was on point, man. Well, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. Like I did, I did behave. I mean, I followed. Everybody needs to have a boss of some sort, and obviously the military. These guys, if they believe in you and they believe that you have a vision and you know what you're doing, they're they're gonna they're gonna follow your lead. Um, and I, you know, I I think I was fortunate. I did so much research. They sensed that I knew what I was talking about, or I. I put my I put the time into to learn the, and respect the nuances of their community and their culture, so they they listen to me. You know, I mean, I think if if I had just come in there and not known anything about anything and just started yelling, it would have been a completely different scenario. Are, are you? Did you find the same thing with the oil workers and the rig? You know, the the you know all these guys that are out there on those rigs and when you were yeah. doing Deepwater yeah. Horizon. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I but I found that. 
you know, and, and I, I find that any film I do, if you're making a film about real people and real culture, it doesn't matter whether it's a Navy SEAL or it's a you know, group of people that work at a hamburger restaurant. If they don't feel like they've respected them and taken the time to understand who they are and what their, what their lives are all about, they're not going to respect you. And if you do, you're going to, you know, you're going to get it. You're going to have uh, an incredibly satisfying experience. So whether it's an oil rig, obviously in you know, Boston, we spent a lot of time with the, the police and FBI agents who were on the, you know, the, the front lines trying to catch these brothers. Um, some of the, the victims who lost legs and, you know, the family members of the, the four, four people who were killed. You know, we spent, we have to go in there to those communities and, and, and sit with these people and be open and honest and develop relationships. And then we find that, that it, it works well. If we were just to charge in to a community, particularly like a, a SEAL community, uh, without doing that work, we would be shut down, you know, very aggressively. And I, and I saw them shut people down that they didn't respect. I mean, there were many times that, that SEALs would, would shut people down on our sets if there was no respect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely but it could get out of head sometimes we were filming on top of the mountain i remember everyone was harnessing up because the camera guys were leaning over it, and then all the frogs were like yeah we don't need any safety you know what i'm talking about there was a couple of times on Lone survivor when you know someone would come up to me marcus or one of the other seals and be like you know that guy over there and yeah he, he's got to get off the set right now like right now and I'd be like, Roger that, no problem. I wouldn't ask why I didn't, you know, I just would respect that. But they, you know, the, if there was a lack of respect, it was not, it did not play well. Well, the cool thing about it, man, I, when we would come on set first thing in the morning, especially we were in Santa Fe, I mean, all, all the gear and everything up through the gondolas and trumping it up, I mean, uh, there's so much that goes on on a movie set. For him to be sitting at the top of it as a director and everything uh, ran as well as it did, man, that just... He's a field general, man. Yeah, He's know, the you're admiral, not saying though. That out loud, yeah. man. But that's that's we would always step back and watch, kind of how that would unfold, man. And it, well, it, that I mean, I I like what Mark is saying because it, it speaks highly of of who you are, Peter, as as the leader of a set. Who taught you how to do that? Where did you learn that kind of mentality, of leadership? Oh man. You know, I think uh, I, I started a long time ago at the very, very, very bottom. You know, like I was, I was enlisted. I had no pedigree. I had no film school training. And I started, you know, 22 years ago as the guy who, if, you know, you threw up on the set, I went and got a mop and cleaned it up. <laughs> you know, no, literally, I was the bottom of the barrel. And I slowly worked through film production over a long period of time and, and had almost every single job there was uh, on a film set, you know, and there's a lot of them. But I was the grip, the electrician, I worked in the camera department, I drove trucks, um, you know, I cooked food. Um, and then I started acting a bit and then I started writing. And somewhere along the way, I pretty much did every job there is. And that gave me a very a well-rounded education and understanding of the whole, the, to the totality of the process, you know, so that if 
I'm a, and at some point I began to realize I, I, I knew everyone's job well enough so that if somebody was bullshitting me, I knew it. If somebody was doing a really great job, I could see that. And I think it just gave me um, such a broad understanding of the film process that I've been able to get the respect of, of people because they know I understand the process. And if they're fucking up or they're flanking off, I can call them on it and I'm right. And if they're doing a great job, I can make sure to acknowledge that and that, that feels good. But I, I really did have a, I started at the bottom and I learned the business, um, uh, you know, across the board. And I think that's helped me a lot. What, one of the interesting things that you always hear about Hollywood or, or pursuit in music or whatever it might be, any in different forms of medium, is that, you know, a, there are a lot of people that quit and, gave, and give up and go back to where they're from because it's just so cutthroat. Did you ever have those moments where you were looking at yourself in the mirror and going, you know what, you know, screw this, I'm out of here, I'm going to go become an engineer or something? Yeah, you know, I, I actually never did. And I think that I always I always had the attitude that, you know, okay, if I couldn't get this job, I was going to get this job. If I couldn't get that job, I was going to get this job. And all the jobs were sort of aiming at one goal, which was to be able to be a film director one day. And, you know, I I enjoyed the suffering. You know, I didn't – I. Uh, I I was willing to find joy in the journey that got me there, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. So that when things, when I was living with bad guys and we were, you know, we, we didn't have money for drinks, so we'd go to bars and we'd look for drunk girls and one of us would distract them and the other would steal their drink. <laughs> well, like, back in those, but, but those were fun days. And I I just kept working, you know, and I, and I always believed that, um, maybe somebody would have more skill than me, but I would, I, nobody was going to outwork me. Nobody was going to get up earlier. Nobody was going to stay up later. Nobody was going to, in that attitude over time, but you know, that attitude of persistence just really worked. And I said, there was a lot of guys with more talent, um, but nobody, nobody was going to outwork, outwork with me. And that, that paid off. I'd say it paid off, yeah, right. don't you, brother? No, I just, yeah, it, it makes getting to the end that more sweet, right? When you when that that dream. Yeah. What else are you gonna do? I mean, you're living your life, and when you're young like that, and you're learning all those little details about being a film director. That way, when you become one, just like you said, if something goes wrong, you're like, well, that's that's not really how that. I know how that works. You're lying. You know, work harder. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And I remember, like, when I was first observing budge classes and they would talk about attention to detail and why if your shoes wasn't tight or your oar wasn't properly stowed in a raft, why they would just rip someone apart. And I I could relate to that instantly because I used to get ripped for you know, literally if I didn't mop up someone's spilled coffee properly, that was a big deal. And Learning now, you know, I'm you know 52 years old and in the middle of a career. Those are the little things that I look at, and I look at the young kids out there that are trying to get into business, and I'm like, you know, can you can you go get lunch and make sure everybody's got the right lunch order and it's delivered and it's hot and everything's good. If you can't do that, you're gonna have problems later on. It is not a tough to detail, and 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 that is you know something that I found. And I noted that when I was watching all the the whole weeks and the breakouts and all that, like that's what they're looking for, I think. 
Oh, absolutely. Hollywood was a small community. So when you're back there uh, fetching a sandwich and then you ran into the sandwich shop and there's some other dude fetching a sandwich, he's probably a director now, too. And you laugh about the days back and you're like, yeah. Man, this dude had to go through it to get right here. So oh, you and I were laughing about last, <laughs> last night actor. when we're, when you're a new guy in a platoon and you got to take your beat down. And, oh man! And then when you're in a position of authority, I mean, that's it's it comes when, around. He's directing a movie and has a has a young actor in there. He's gonna throw some at you. Like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put you in the small trailer. That, that's what he wants uh, to call you and Morgan and get a good hazing oh, going on. we blast on, on the set, man. I mean, <laughs> well, true. Well, Peter, the last question I want to ask you is, you know, our, our listeners come to the show because they, you know, and you just really summed up a lot of it about the journey, about the attention to detail, the discipline, the willing to, the, the willingness to do the shit jobs, to learn the, you know, the comprehensive perspective of your craft. In the, you know, what advice can you give to that person that's stuck or the person that is, you know, afraid or the person that isn't sure about what's in front of them, the pain? What can you say to them right now that'll get them up and get them back in the fight? Yeah, I mean, it's you just have to keep trying and and, and you, you can't quit. And even if it feels like you're going nowhere, if you're actually applying yourself, even in the smallest of ways, you're getting up. You know, Marcus would talk about how he, you know, had to crawl out his stomach with his legs not working and his teeth busted out of his face. He would just, you know, try and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna crawl from here to that tree. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fifteen feet today. And maybe he only got eight, but at least he got those eight. And the next day, you know, and I think that that kind of mentality certainly paid off for me. It's just every day, make an effort, do something, apply, apply yourself in some direction, whether it's exercise, it's work, it's family, you've got, you've got to act and you have to, you, you just can't lay down and give up. And if you act, it might not come, you know, when you want it, the way you want it, but it will come. That's awesome. Well, well, that's the best part about it is, is you don't know when it's going to come. It's just that's the excitement of mm-hmm. doing it. That's what's that's ultimately what drives people who are doing some of the passion in it. It comes from that. And I mean, you're right. We talk about this all the time, man. It's that one guy man, just keeps standing up. You know, eventually, the other guy won't and just keep pushing ahead. I mean, it's life. That's what life is. It's those little steps throughout. What was it at? Um. During Bud, you know, it was long days and or in fast or slow days and fast weeks or something like that. You know, yeah. what I mean, I mean, yeah. I made no sense when you're going through like that. Ain't that doesn't mean anything? <laughs> Can I? I just want to stop shivering. <laughs> Who the hell said that? Uh, <laughs> right? You guys are having fun. Uh, <laughs> doesn't feel like it in the in the get go. Right. Well, listen, Peter. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really oh, appreciate it. it. And. And I, I just know that there's somebody out there that's going to hear what you said. It's going to connect with them and it's going to inspire them to chase their dream, either as to becoming a director, an actor or something in that field or even just in anything else. So we really appreciate your time, sir. Yeah, bro, for everything, man, and taking the time. You got that new, new movie coming out. So uh, taking a break to come on means a lot, bro. No problem. I love what you're doing. I'll talk to you later, Marcus. Much love, Dolly. Take right. care. Bye. God bless. Out. Bye.
know why you like that dude so much. Right. I mean, you look at his, when, when I was doing the research on him and I went to Wikipedia and all that, and you look at his, just the length of his career and the depth Around. of it. But then all of a sudden he talks about cleaning up someone's vomit or the coffee and he was a grip and an engineer and a lighting and he went for lunches and all. You really, I mean, he understands the totality of the business. Right. And if you look at this point in my life and in his after spending time with him, you, you kind of watch the pattern of, of him growing in that in that world from cleaning up the, you know, shit burner, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got a shit burner patch? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when I first got out and I first started speaking, <laughs> the, I, my, my speech was all about, we always go back to cleaning the shitters yeah. in life. <laughs> Right? <laughs> no, no. So, I'm sorry. I, had a, I, I thought I had a point there. Oh, yeah. So now after Lone Survivor and even before that, really, man, he's starting to you can tell he, when he finds his his niche, I guess, is in those true life stories, because that's the best stories, man. It's like you said, the, the nonfiction, the ones that have actually played out in real life, either sports game, uh, uh, World Series, you know, the clutch play or or something in real life like Lone Survivor, uh, excuse me, Operation Red Wing. Or Deepwater Horizon, man, and his ability to connect with the people who who actually went through it. And the more he does this, I mean, the depth on that. So having to deal with a bunch of SEALs and then deal with, in Boston and then uh, out, out in the Gulf. I mean, think of the perspective he has on on chaos and pain. Right? Uh, well, also and it this brings he, that out in his he, films. He's got, what, two hours and 10 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes to tell yeah. that story, too. Great point. Great point. In the amount of, and some of them things, um, I was five days. <laughs> you know, he condensed he condensed that into into an hour and whatever it is, and and this, um, yeah, that's that's where that that's what separates the talent, right? Those Absolutely. guys that they can see through the entire story and say, "Man, I I can." Here's the big point. Right, right, and put them Here's together. Here's the big points, and, together, and it was yeah. funny. And I, and what I didn't get to finish with that with the story about getting to chat with him after him and thanking him for. You know, telling the great stories of how you guys fought as hard as you did on a mountain and then the making the, the family members proud. What it was in in the big context of 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 America and life, he was able to inspire people to realize, am I doing enough for my team? Right. Am I really committed to the people around me who love me like these guys are? Right. And it, I mean, it, it shows how much he loves what he does because we Hell, the actors showed up well before we started filming. Mark and Ben and 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 all those guys, man. They and <laughs> a shipwreck. We called him Millhurst shipwreck. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> because when we first got him, and they didn't know anything about it. Mark had some experience behind a weapon, but I mean, I, you got to hand it to him, man. There wasn't any coaxing him into it. We took him to the range in the heat and just hit him with it. I mean, and they were doing it. Oh yeah. Well, you said Ben Foster was. Uh, he was an hitting twelve hundred yeah. meter yeah, I mean, steel, you know. Watch out for him. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> they cool. all were by the end of the training cycle, and by the time all the frogs were done with him, man, they were they were rocking and rolling. And then we put him in those situations, in those training situations, like we do to to create that bond, yeah, you know, that brotherhood, man, because it was intense. And and uh, they did it, and they performed. And Pete, over, I mean, he was he was the leader. Yeah, man. What I really like about his perspective, too, is that he, he's a no-bullshit guy, right? Oh, no, uh, yeah, no. I mean, he, he's, he do, he's not afraid to, to say, this is the way I believe filmmaking should be. This is what interests me. This is what I'm going to do. If you don't like it, then don't watch it. Don't look at it. And again, with a lot of times in Hollywood, you see their last, you know about their last actors and producers and directors, their last film. 
these guys, man, they do. It is a small world, but they do so much outside of what the the big movies. I mean, he. Oh, he's he writing, mentors, he's he has producing. Boxing, you know, the he, thing he, with Discovery has, Channel, right? right? He does with those. More and more, he's starting to film those real life dramas. Deepwater Horizon, right. you know Patriots Day. And we talked about that earlier. Earlier, man, he take that on board. I mean, he's got to absorb all that. Uh, uh, oh, the, the, a the, lot the, of it. The Just social, to get it right, right. The emotional and social responsibility to, like he said, to the families, to the story, to the people who are bringing it. To, I mean, I, you know, you think about the weight of carrying a real live story, somebody's life. Oh, man. And well, look, well, ours 19 families. It's crazy. All of that. Yeah. Right straight to him. Not to me anymore. Yeah. To him. And it's on you. Right. And that's why I, I'm like, hey, look, man, I, you know, I love you, brother, but this don't screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember when I was telling the wizard that that spear was dangerous? I was like, so I was like, that. I was like, hey, man. Dude, don't don't screw this up, dude. <laughs> this would be bad this for is you. Not if you be screw, good, yeah, dude. this is for all of us if this goes sideways. He's like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, just uh, don't screw it up, man. Well, can you give me some? No, that's about it. That's, there's a lot of advice in that, that <laughs> little phrase right there, Savvy. So, uh, man. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. uh, yeah, just God dang it, Pete, man. Thanks, thanks for changing my life. I mean, for the better. I I went to Hollywood and. And just everybody was so great up there, and I, I didn't have any problems. All the, all the stories here, I, I just it was remarkable, and uh, the people that were a part of that film and and kept that story alive. It's it's immortalized now. Our brothers will never die. That, 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 you know that film passed down. Those guys to do that and to make the uh, to get the sign off and the blessing from the team guys and the families that was huge. That's cool. Well, we we are so stoked to have him on. And Marcus, thanks again for uh, tapping into one of your close friends. It, it means the world, I know, to me and the Wizard and especially to our fans and our, our followers. So, I, you know, I, as I reflect back on what I hope you understood and you heard out there uh, listening to this show is is to realize that, you know, don't, don't stifle yourself because you're not willing to do something that you don't feel is directly correlated to your end goal. There are a lot of different paths to achieving your purpose. Some of those paths are the real component. It's the pain. It's the suffering. But it's the details in that pain or suffering that gets you to where you need to go. So when you finally get the opportunity to experience what you're hoping for or that greater sense of purpose, you will have the breadth of knowledge that can govern your actions where they have meaning, where there's, where there's, where there's purpose behind them, and you can have great influence in whatever choice you make. And I'll tell you what, I also want to make sure that if you're a first-time listener, please go and visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. You can go there and you can check out all the other shows. We've got a ton of great shows, a great content for you. Um, please also, if you want to take us and have us on demand, go ahead and, and subscribe via iTunes podcasting, subscribe to our show, and you can listen to us morning, noon, and night. You can listen to us while you mow your lawn, while on your drive to work. You can listen to it while you're at work if you're allowed. We want to be able to give you this content at all times so you can learn to ignite that fire in your gut to overcome obstacles and to face adversity with the never quit attitude. Marcus, who do you want to give thanks to before we sign on? Thank the good Lord. And I want to thank Hollywood and every actor and a actress out there that, that just sticks it out and pushes through the crap because 
man, it's, it does get tough out there for them and uh, creates that reality that pulls us out of ours, right? That's the beautiful part about that world up there, man. They create the world that, uh, I don't know, we'd like to be in or we, we think we're in, and it's just that, that imagination that they have that touches so many hearts across the world. I mean, think about it. When, every, when everything's in the dump and you don't have any money or anything like that, you, you, still, want to, you still want to be entertained, right? I mean, so they really do have a purpose, and I think a lot of times that gets lost in uh, – in translation with the social media and, and they're and they're just as quick as they are to build themselves up, they can tear them down. And that, that's got, that's gotta be rough in itself when, when you turn, when the family turns on you, so to speak. So hats off to them, man. Thank y'all for what you do. I want to thank God. And I want to thank my family and my friends. I want to thank the seal teams. I want to thank the wizard and Marcus for giving me the opportunities. And again, yeah, I want to thank the people out there who are creative who are bringing new ideas, whether it's through song or, or film or t- television. I want to thank you for grinding it out, coming up with great ideas and, and spending the time to deliver them to make my day just a little bit better. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to make your day a little bit better because I'm telling you what, great stories ignite legends. I'm out. I'm out.